Well, good morning, Bridge City Church, North Braddock. How you doing today? Y'all doing good today? Come on, you really doing good today? Come on, it is so, so awesome to be with you today. Here we are, we're continuing our series entitled Sunday School, and um, I'm so blessed to be with you today. And uh, hey, Pastor John, uh, your campus pastor, and Christine and his family, they're away on vacation, a a much deserved and needed one. And so I'm glad that they're getting away. I know that you miss them and they miss you, but you get to be with me today. Come on, I'm just so excited. I believe God has something specific for you today, and I'm just so enjoying this Sunday school series that we're doing. And before I get rolling with that, I just, first of all, this um, just want to mention a few things. I get to be the first one kind of to use the new stage. For those of you that may hear all the time, there's a whole new stage. There's a bunch of guys out here that made it all happen. Let's give them a big hand. Thank you so much for making it happen. For every detail being taken care of and everything happening, thank you so much. And, um, and Pastor John wanted to be the first one, but I get to be, so I'm thankful. And uh, this, past, this past week, uh, all the ladies got together. Um, ladies, did you enjoy it? Did you all enjoy that time? And I know that um, a couple ladies from here uh, got a chance to minister, and they were, they were sharing the word. So great, great job, ladies. I heard great, great things about your time together. And so, so very, very awesome. Um, how, many of you, how many of you were at the park last week? How many of you were at the park last week? Did you enjoy yourself at the park? Come on. I know what you're thinking. Where's the food trucks today? I know what you're thinking. Come on. That's what I thought. Uh, I thought this morning. So here we are. Come on, Sunday school. How many of you all uh, grew up in a maybe a traditional church setting or maybe a church setting that you attended as a child? Like you went to what was we termed Sunday school on a regular basis every Sunday. How many? Raise your hands. I'm kind of curious. Okay. Now, just for clarity's sake, the. The rest of you that did not go to regular Sunday school, raise your hand just so I can see it. Did not, because I didn't go to regular Sunday school. Okay. So, what we're doing is we've been taking like the traditional Sunday school stories and we've been kind of unpacking them for you. And we've been just going back to like some traditional stories and just looking at them, looking at them with fresh eyes in a fresh way. And it's been so much fun doing that. And today, we got David and Goliath for you today. Come on. And uh, how many of y'all remember David and Goliath? Come on, and I believe you're going to see it through fresh eyes today. I really believe that, and I believe God's going to speak to you through this in one really great, great, awesome way. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this great group of people, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would grant me the grace to be able to communicate today, Lord. Grant me the grace to communicate your life and your love to this great group, and let us see your word in a fresh way. Let us see your word, Lord God, in a way that we haven't before, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, just a couple weeks ago, uh, I was away with my family. Uh, one of our favorite spots to go, Geneva on the lake. It's right on Lake Erie. And um, I was getting up early and, and going out and sitting by, like sitting just kind of looking at the lake, kind of taking it all in. And, and it was just a, a very peaceful moment. But um, I can't go there now without being reminded of something um, the kind of significant took place in my life. Uh, four years ago, I was going through a really a time that I got very disoriented in, in my, my Christian walk. Matter of fact, I got really discouraged. You know, when you're discouraged, it's the absence of courage. 
And when you're discouraged, it's hard to look forward because you tend to want to look back. Has anybody ever been discouraged before? Yeah. And I was just going through a period of time when, um, and to be really honest and open with you, I was going through a time when I was really considering like not pastoring anymore. I was just like considering like maybe like that time's over. Now, not being a follower of Jesus was never on the table. And not attending this church was never on the table. I was like, this is, this is our church. This is our family. This is what we do. And so that was never in question. But there was, a t- there was this moment, and, I, and it was months leading up to it, that there was a lot going on at the church and a lot of things happening in my own life personally that I got so disoriented and so discouraged that I couldn't see forward. I mean, I really lost my way. As a matter of fact, before I went on vacation, I, um, I told some of the overseers at the church that, like, I don't know that I can, I can go on in the role I'm in right now. And, uh, and they just said, well, go away and we'll see what happens. And so I went away and I, I remember sitting and, and, and looking at the Lake Erie and praying and I remember just being there. And um, that song we just sang, you know, I'm not enough but here I am to meet you once again. That wasn't a song that kind of triggered in my mind, but it, it did this morning as I was worshiping. Just standing here, I just remembered that moment where God met me up at Lake Erie on a rainy day. And I was convinced and, and that God would still love me if I didn't pastor. And I think in a world we live, we live in a world that is so infatuated with God's love we miss obedience and serving him. I'm going to get to that. But what happened there is I didn't have to go back and be a pastor. God reignited my heart and gave me a courage to look forward. I didn't have to. I was convinced. I, 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 was, I was free to leave and I was free to stay. That's how God speaks to me. But being free to move on is what the goal is. And there's times in our life where all we can see is hopelessness. All we can see is fear. All we can see is giants. And I believe it's in those moments that God wants to create giant slayers out of all of us. So how do we get there? How, how, how can we get there? How can we become giant slayers? Because I don't know about you, I still have giants in my life. I still have thoughts that taunt me. I still have reasons I shouldn't move forward. I still have reasons I shouldn't go on. But I have a, a big reason why I do. His name is Jesus. So, Here's the big idea. Every one of us can. Every one of us can defeat our giants by activating courageous faith. I believe that. But if we want courageous faith, first we have, first we have to be able to identify the problem. And then what we have to do is we have to be willing to engage the problem. And then we have to be willing to overcome the problem by the power of God. 
So there it is. There's the big idea. If, if you have giants in your life and, and you are discouraged or when hap- what happens when you get disoriented or what happens when these things happen, we got to identify, we got to engage, and we got to overcome. And I believe that when we do these things through the power of God, he shows up. I believe that with all my heart, not because of our might or strength, but because we have a great God whom we serve. So we're going to look at this whole story with David and Goliath with a new set of eyes today. In a new set of eyes to see what the real problem is and to engage it into and how we can slay our giants. How many out there right now, you're tired of being taunted by you can't and you won't and you shouldn't? No, not the teenagers. You should enjoy that. Come on, how many of you, am I speaking to the right people? And so we're going to go in, into the whole text today in 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to look at it through fresh eyes. That's what we're going to do because I want you to leave here today with tools on how you can engage the enemy that's taunting you, identify the problem, and you can overcome the giants in your life. So here it is. David was anointed to be king. This is the first part. These are the first uh, 16, 15 verses here. David was anointed to be king, but he wasn't king yet. He was a shepherd boy. And um, his three older brothers were off at war, and they were, the, the Israel army was facing the Philistines, which were a pagan army. And the way it worked was this. Typically, one man from each army would go out. They would face off in a very typical. And then the winner, the other people, the other side became their slaves. Goliath, about nine, somewhere between nine feet and ten feet tall, his spearhead weighed 15 pounds. His breastplate that he wore was 125 pounds. He was one big bad dude. Okay? And so he was, he was seriously bad. And so Saul was, the, was their leader. And in verse 11, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and they were deeply shaken. See, they were, they were being taunted and they were being taunted and taunted and taunted and they were terrified. And they were frozen. I don't know about you. See, some people run, some people freeze. But when you're terrified, you're not living at your best. Am I right? I think that happens with all of us. We, we're never at our best. We're never thinking right here. And so, and so here we find in verse uh, 16, verse 16, for 40 days. Now, 40 marks testing. That's a typically in the Bible, whenever you see the number 40, and there's time after time, it's a mark of testing. And so I want to tell you this, everybody goes through a test. Everybody's tested to find out what's inside. So if you are facing a giant right now and he's taunting you, it's a test. That's what it is. It's a test of what you're going through here. But what happens in times of testing? So every morning and every evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. And then, and then Jesse, David's taking care of sheep. He's a young boy. He's not even old enough to fight in the army. And so his dad says, take these roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to, to, to your brother here, to your brother's. So David, what we see here is David is the cheese boy. That's right, David is the cheese boy. All he's, his dad says, go and take this cheese and take this grain to your brothers and to to, to those in charge. 
David didn't say, I want to go out and slay a, a giant today. What David did do, follow me here, he was under authority and obedient. If you want to slay your giant, you have to stay under authority and stay obedient. So when his dad said, take this cheese to your brothers, take this grain, take this bread to them, what he was saying here was, hey, cheese boy. Now David could have said, I'm the king. I'm going to be king. Do you know who I'm going to be? I ain't going to be no cheese boy. You're going to be somebody else to be your cheese boy. No, David said, okay, I'll do it. And so in typical Sunday school fashion, everybody gets cheese today. Come on. The ushers are going to come around. It's snack time. Come on. Here we go. It's snack time here. And uh, string cheese. Everybody gets some string cheese. The ushers are coming around. And every Sunday school, you, I mean, come on. Now, how many of y'all remember Sunday school? Snack time was a fun time. Come on. So everybody gets some cheese food here. Okay, so everybody got one. I know what you're thinking. Where's the crackers? Okay, no crackers. You got to bring your own crackers today. Yeah, I know what you're saying. They're up front. Okay, but you can't go up front and get those yet, okay? That's called communion. That's a different deal. Come on. Somebody's saying, man, if we could have cheese and that juice and the crackers, we could have a meal. It's like, no, you can't, okay? So come on. It's snack time. Come on. See, see, David, well, he, this was a test for him. It was a test. Can you be the cheese boy or the cheese girl because you think it's monotonous, but God is setting you up to kill a giant? See, some of you came here today, and you're thinking like, hey, I'm like just came here out of like, this is just what I do. I go to church, and God is setting you up to slay a giant today. See, you thought you were just coming to church to sing a couple songs, hear a nice message, go home and eat some roast and potatoes because that's what you do on Sundays. And why are you eating roast and potatoes? Because you can't go to Chick-fil-A. That's why, because it's closed. Come on. Come on. Come on. So, so here we go. And so how do you see yourself? See, see you've got you to examine how you see yourself because whatever you see, you're going to become. Go, you can eat, you can have that. Go ahead, string it all up, man. How many of y'all pull it apart? How many of y'all pull it apart? How the, where's the pull it apart view? How many just, you just gnaw on it? Come on, like rabid dog. Come on, like that's all good. Come on, that's, I could, I, I, I'm having fun watching you all. Somebody, somebody, I'm going to eat this thing, man. Come on. Very good. See, how do you see yourself? How do you see your situation? It's not just monotony. It's not just going through the same old motion here. God was setting him up. And God's been setting you up. God's been setting us up as his church. We've been going through 40 years of testing. We're going to have a great celebration next month. Oh, the whole church is going to meet right here. That's right, one church, one location. We're going to have an awesome, awesome time remembering what God has done, but we're looking forward to what God will do. Amen? So here, courageous faith identifies the problem. Let's go on. Verse 20 here. Verse 20, David left the sheep with another shepherd, and he set out with these gifts, the grain, the cheese here. 
And he did exactly what his dad directed him. He arrived at the camp, and he sees the armies lined up. Verse 22, David left his things with the keeper of supplies. He hurried out to his brothers. As they were talking, Goliath, the Philistine champion, came out, and then David heard him shout his usual taunt. Verse 24, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. You get a cash reward, you get the king's daughters, and you don't have to pay taxes. Come on, guys, where's my man at? This sounds like a good deal. Come on. I know you're afraid to clap because your wife is here. Come on. Come on, am I right? This sounds like a really, really good deal. You mean I don't have to pay taxes too? I'm like, let me add that giant. Come on. Come on, it sounds like a really, really good deal here. And so David says again in verse 26, what do you get? And, he's in, in, and he says, why is this man allowed to defy the living God? See, see courageous faith is about God. See, there's two responses. There's two responses. In verse 24, there's the Israelite army. They're afraid. And then there's David, he wants to confront. So the deal is, is you have to identify the problem. The problem is not you, it's not your circumstance, it's not our situation, it's that the enemy is defying God. Come on, where's our memory verse? Let's, get, let's go do our memory verse here. We got a memory verse, come on, verse 47. Here we go, we're gonna say this together, y'all ready? For the battle is the Lord's. First Samuel 17, 47. Okay, those of you that are not eating cheese, let's say it together. Come on. For the battle is the Lord's. First Samuel 17, 47. See, we have to identify the problem. The problem isn't you. It's not our circumstance. It's not our situation. The problem is, is there's an enemy that's taunting your God. That's really it. See, he could easily say, well, no, we're not strong enough. I'm not this, I'm not that. But the real problem is, is that the enemy of our soul is taunting God because God lives inside of me and he lives inside of you. So when anything that comes after you is coming after God and it's defying the God in you. Come on, are you seeing that here? So, so we're gonna have to decide how we're gonna respond to you will never succeed, you will never have joy, you will never be married, you will never this, you can't that, you'll never be free from anxiety or depression, you'll never be this, you'll never be that. How many people know that those are taunts, taunts that the enemy gives you? Your church will never amount to anything. Your church people don't like you. Everybody there doesn't have any problems. You're the only person at Bridge City Church that has a problem. How many has ever heard that one before? Come on, am I right? You're the only one. And these are the taunts, but what the enemy is taunting is God. He's taunting God in you. He's not taunting you because you represent God. Come on. That's the, that's the deal. We identify the real problem here. It defies God. So what we have to do is we have to be willing to look and identify the problem according to the size of our God. That's what we need to do. Are we going to be giant-focused or God-focused? See, whatever you focus on, and whatever you focus on will hold you. 
See, and we're so busy looking at the giants and listening to the news and looking at the craziness in the world, it begins to hold us. It begins to grip us. The fear comes in. We don't have a future. We don't have a hope. We don't have this. We don't have a future. Listen, every president that comes along is promising change. Jesus Christ is the one who gives change. No, I'm serious. Like, we, we got to look to him. We gotta look to God, our Father in heaven, who can bring real, true change from the inside out, not just a temporary Band-Aid fix. And what I'm trying to say is we need to identify the real problem that God's people, we are not living in the freedom and the glory of God to the extent that we should. Am I right? Because there's so much more. But what we look at with discouragement and we give up because all we see is hopeless. And this is the deal. I watch people all the time. They give up right before they get what they're believing for. Oh my goodness, I watch it happen all the time. Why? Because we get terrified. We're listening to the giants. We're listening to those things. We're listening to there. But I know this, perspective is everything. It's not my situation. It's not my circumstance. It's not those things. So every, everybody can defeat their giants when they activate courageous faith. First of all, we identify the problem. The problem is the enemy is taunting our God. Number two, we have to be willing to engage the problem. Engage the problem. Oh my goodness. Mm. the difference between winning and losing is the direction you're moving. If you're stumbling all over your past, you're probably walking in the wrong direction. Because it's in the past. But when we're moving forward to engage, that's courage, that's courageous faith. And we gotta be willing to move forward, identify the problem, and now engage the problem. And we gotta be willing to move forward. And, and, and this is one of the things I've been learning um, um, playing, playing tennis. And, and, and for those of you who've you've watched it, there's when you play at the net. Now, I don't enjoy playing at the net. Standing here with somebody just, you know, 15 feet away, hitting the ball at me as hard as they can is not enjoyable. I don't find any joy in that. I don't say, wow, that's so much fun. I mean, I have one thing in mind. It's like protect myself. And so normally how I play, I play very, I, I play very frightened at the net. I'll be honest, I do. As a matter of fact, people laugh at me all the time. They say, why do you move backwards so much? I say, because I'm running away from the ball. And that's not a good posture. And so I've learned that like, I tend to like go backwards all the time. And so I was with a, with a coach recently and I said, okay, can you tell me what's wrong? He says, I can tell you easily what's wrong. You're moving in the wrong direction. He says, can I have my money back? What's the second problem? <laughs> and what I've had to learn and what I'm trying to learn is I gotta move forward to the ball. When I'm moving forward, I can engage the ball and return it. When I'm moving backwards, it doesn't go anywhere because I'm running backwards and it's just, I'm just in pure defense. 
And unfortunately, I believe that I'm just like you. Like many of us in this room right now, we're so busy playing defense, we never play an offense. I want to chase down a giant. How about you? But we have to be willing to engage and move forward here. That's the deal. With vulnerability, transparency, and humility. And so the next thing here in verse 32, don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, who's in charge, I'll go fight him. Verse 33, I love this response of Saul. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. What makes you think you can overcome anything? Have you ever heard that one before? Don't be ridiculous. This is as good as life gets for you. Don't be ridiculous. You're always going to live in debt and in poverty. Don't be ridiculous. You'll never have a good marriage. You'll never have a good job. You'll never succeed. You'll never be able to walk in freedom. Don't be ridiculous. Has anybody else heard this beside me? This is what he's saying here. What Saul's saying is you don't add up. And that's what we say. You're right. I'm not enough unless you come. You're right, I'm not enough, I'm not enough unless God comes and touches me right where I am. Are you with me? You're right, I'm not enough, but he is more than enough. That's what it is. And so I'm going to engage this. In in, in verse 34, David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I will catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears. In verse 36, I will do it again to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally said, all right, go ahead. Now let me just tell you this. The reason I believe David had confidence is this. He took care of the lion and the bear when he was all alone. The lion, I believe, and this is just my my perception looking at this, I believe the lion represents pride and the bear represents power. And if we don't defeat those two things that we all have, a desire for power, the desire for control and pride in our life, if we don't deal with those in the private, they will find us in public. But when we deal with those things in the private and we slay them, I believe God will give us, give us victory in, in the public. And the reason we're not experiencing more of God with pride and the desire for power, the desire for being in control. Remember, David was under authority. He listened to his dad. We, we won't stay under authority. We won't stay there. And I'm telling you, there's power and blessings there. And so when we fight these things alone and we choose to deal with them, we make the decision, I am going to deal with things, things, things in private here. I'm going to be prepared when nobody's looking. My faith for today will give me hope for tomorrow. That's right. See, see, when no one's looking, that's where we get victory. That's where we begin to engage. 
Verse 38, then Saul gave David his own armor. He gave him a bronze helmet and, 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 and a coat and, and, and gave him a sword. And David said, I can't use these. I can't use these. He, he had to use what he was familiar with. What he did in private was now going to become public. See, many of us want a public victory, but we, we won't get the victory in the private. We won't kneel down beside our beds early in the morning and just humble ourselves before God because we're waiting for something to happen on the outside when God wants to do something on the inside. Is this bringing life to you today? Come on, is this bringing life to your soul today? And so David went. He picked up five stones and he put them in his bag. Now I'm going to tell you why I believe David picked up five stones. You're going to want to get this. This is really good. You want to know why David picked up five stones? Because that's how many he picked up. <laughs> I've heard over the years, I've heard so many messages about what the five stones represent. I mean, I've heard more messages on what those five stones represent. I can't find one reason other than that's how many he picked up. I don't know, maybe that's how many his bag could hold. I don't know. I mean, I've heard people preach, well, if he had real faith, he'd only take one stone. I don't know, he picked five. Some people say it's the, you know, the five-fold ministry. Goliath had four brothers, this reason, that reason. He picked five. Sometimes we overthink things. He picked five. He picked up five and he put them in there. But then he, he started to, he, he said, okay, here we go. In verse 41, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. What that means is red-faced little boy. Oh, was David overheated? Was he a redhead? I don't know. It's a ruddy face. laughing at him like you're gonna come at me am I a dog he roared at David that you come at me with a stick and he cursed David by the names of his gods come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals listen listen this is so interesting Goliath was so full of pride that he stepped out behind the shield if you wait for the right moment the enemy of your soul will reveal himself and then you can take him out Pride will always remove yourself from protection. Goliath had so much arrogance and pride, he removed himself. He stepped out. Then he became vulnerable. The enemy will always reveal. Wow. Come on now. David wasn't sucked in to doubt and hopelessness. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. Remember the problem, it's his defying. So now he's going to engage. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Now that's a Sunday school message worth preaching right there. Come on, we're gonna take your head off. Come on, that, that is fun. And I, will, and I will give 
the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. What are they going to know about God? Yes. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, not with a sword or spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer, David ran quickly to meet him. Are you with me now? We're going to engage the enemy today. Are you with me? See, you got to move towards him, not away. You can either be discouraged or full of courage. I'm going to go, I'm going to cut your head off, Mr. Goliath. That is so much fun. So those of you that have kids, they're getting this message back there, and I hope they teach this part. Because it's in the Bible. I mean, most of all, they, they leave it. David slung the stone, killed the giant. He falls over, oh, timber, and that's it. I like the cutting the head off thing. That's just so much fun. So today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Are you seeing he's engaging here? That's so important here. So every one of us, every one of us can defeat your giant when we act in courageous faith. We identify the problem. We engage the problem. And number three, we overcome the problem. We overcome by God. So reaching into the shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled over. His face fell to the ground and David triumphed over him. And then they all charged the, charged the enemy there. But listen, God will get the victory through us, his church, his sons. We overcome by the power of God. It's not by might nor power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. See, we can't fight a spiritual battle in the flesh. We can't fight it with mental power. It's a spiritual battle that we have to learn to rethink, learn to refocus here. Victory for us. That's a, see, every hopeless situation is an opportunity for God to get a victory here. See, David didn't defeat Goliath for God. God defeated Goliath for David. It's a perspective change. See, we're, we, we look as like, well, I, I gotta do for God today. I'm gonna go do something for God. No, God says, just, just watch what I do for you. No, just watch what I do for you. Identify the problem. Identify that God is being defiled. God is being defied. The enemy is defying our God. The enemy is saying, church, stay in your four walls and don't go out of your four walls. As long as you go and have your little cute little services, you're cool. Well, watch out, world. Here we come. You can't. You won't live in freedom. You shouldn't. We identify the problem. God is being defied. God himself is being defied. But when we say, I'm going to run quickly to the giant, and then I'm going to overcome by the power of God, God is going to do a work in me. So I overcome, and I'm not going to blame my situation. I'm not going to blame where I'm at right now. I'm going to hold on to the victory and what God will do. See, we can either look at the problem, the size of our problem, or look at the size of our God, but you can't have both. I'm so thankful. Four years ago, God got a victory through my life. I am just so grateful.
I was up here worshiping and I was tearing up this morning thinking, God, I'm just so thankful. I'm so grateful for what you have done in my life. Has it been easy? No. But I'm a, I'm a giant killer. And I believe there's a giant killer in every one of you right now. If we'll identify the problem, engage the problem, and overcome in the power of God. And many of you here, in your ear right now, there's a whisper, don't be ridiculous. You can't. Don't be ridiculous. You'll never. That is not the voice of God right now. That is the taunting. That is the jeering. That is the sneering that's coming against you. And I'm telling you today, true faith is this, is when you believe and trust God for something with all of your being. You don't get it, but you still trust God. Am I telling you that victory is easy and you're automatic? I can't promise that, but I can promise this. God can do a work inside your heart today. Would you stand to your feet with me now? How many of y'all believe you heard something that was encouraging for you today? Did you hear something that was encouraging for you today? Come on, let's give God a big hand. Come on, God, thank you for that. So I want to stop right now, and I want to speak to every person that's standing. If you don't have a day, a moment, or a time that Jesus Christ has become the forgiver of your past and the leader to your future. I want to offer you today. Or maybe you did it back in Sunday school a long time ago. But it's meant nothing to you since then. You've just been kind of doing your own thing. I want to offer you an opportunity to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Not an acknowledger, not a nice person, not just a person that goes to church on Sundays. No, I want to offer you a relationship with Jesus then you can be a part of his army then you can be a part of it's the Lord's battle so if you're here today and you'd like to remove you from being in charge of your life and allow Jesus to be in charge of your life if you'd like to say I'd like Jesus to I need Jesus's forgiveness can't be good enough to get to heaven on my own but I want to be a follower of Jesus I want Jesus to be the leader of my life forgiver of my past, leader to my future I want to offer you that right now in this moment before we go on so right now in this moment if that's you and you're saying I want to be a Christian I want Jesus Christ in my life I just want you to do something really bold and really strong, but so joyful. I just want you just to slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Anybody here today, you're just saying, I gotta be me. Just slip up your hand right where you're at. Anybody at all in the house today, can't go on without offering this. Anybody at all. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, that's me. Next week, there's going to be many people that are going to raise their hand. And 
they're going to begin a relationship with you, Father. In Jesus' name, Lord. Now, in just a moment, we're going to do communion together. But you know the rest of the story of David and Goliath? Later on in the verses, actually, David came back with Goliath's head in his hand. And then later on, it says he took the head to Jerusalem. Now, what I'm about to share with you is, is, is through perspective of historians and the rest of the story. I don't have a chapter and verse to prove it, but typically this is what would happen in times of battle. They would put whoever was defeated head on a spear. And they would take it to a place called Golgotha the place of the skull up on a hill outside Jerusalem and they would and so Goliath's head if they did what typically happened in this time his head would be overlooking Jerusalem so all God's people would be looking at the victory that Israel just had they would be looking at the place of the skull Golgotha and they would be saying look at that victory that was for Israel today do you know our victory isn't just your victory, it's our victory. But a thousand years later, Jesus was at Golgotha, the place of the skull. He gave his life for you and me and us. So what once was a victory for Israel, and it overlooked, and there's Goliath's head right there. Jesus went, and he got the victory for you and for me, and for all of us, and the victory gives us promises, and the victory is Jesus Christ is saying, you can live in freedom, you can live free. Come on, somebody. And so today, when we do communion, we're going to remember the victory of Jesus Christ and what he did on Golgotha. So this is what we're going to do. This awesome worship team is going to lead us in song. And you're going to come down in just a minute. And you're going to pick up the cracker and the juice. And you're going to make your way back to your seat. And we're going to worship together. And then when everybody has some, I'm going to lead us together to remember the victory of Jesus. And we're going to have ourselves a celebration that points to the victory that the giant no longer taunts us. So remember, you're going to come forward, get it, just hold it in your hands while you worship. And then in just a couple minutes, I'm going to lead us together. So worship team, you lead us. The ushers will direct you to how to come forward. Then you're going to make your way back. Stay standing. Let's worship the Lord, church. In Jesus